Good day to you all. Today is March 30th, and this podcast is dedicated to encouraging you to expose your heart and mind to the whole counsel of God as we read through the entirety of Scripture in one year. My name is David McAdam, and this is the One Year Bible Tour. It is good to have you with us as we spend approximately a half hour every day to drink in the wisdom of God's Word, and I'm sure that it will prove to be a healthy investment of your time. One of my favorite verses in Psalm 119 is verse 130, which says, The entrance or the unfolding of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple or those who make room for it. So let's humble our hearts and ask the Lord to illuminate our understanding as we experience the progressive unfolding of His Word. We are in the book of Deuteronomy today, chapter 13. The book of Deuteronomy is also known as the book of the law. It is a reiteration of the law. Moses is speaking to the new generation as they're prepared to go into the promised land. So let's turn to the March 30th portion of the one-year Bible and read beginning with Deuteronomy chapter 13. Ready? Beginning with verse 1. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, Let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him, and keep His commandments, and obey His voice, and you shall serve Him and hold fast to Him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death, because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed you out of the house of slavery, to make you leave the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. You shall purge the evil from your midst." If your brother, the son of your mother, or your son, or your daughter, or the wife you embrace, or your friend, who is as your own soul, entices you secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, which neither you nor your fathers have known, some of the gods of the peoples who are around you, whether near you or far off from you, from the one end of the earth to the other, you shall not yield to him or listen to him, nor shall your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him, nor shall you conceal him, but you shall kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hand of all the people. You shall stone him to death with stones, because he sought to draw you away from the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And all Israel shall hear and fear, and never again do any such wickedness as this among you. If you hear in one of your cities, which the Lord your God is giving you to dwell there, that certain worthless fellows have gone out among you and have drawn away the inhabitants of their city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, which you have not known, then you shall inquire and make search and ask diligently. And behold, if it be true and certain that such an abomination has been done among you, you shall surely put the inhabitants of that city to the sword, devoting it to destruction." all who are in it and its cattle, with the edge of the sword. You shall gather all its spoil into the midst of its open square, and burn the city and all its spoil with fire, as a whole burnt offering to the Lord your God. It shall be a heap forever, it shall not be built again. None of the devoted things shall stick to your hand, 
that the Lord may turn from the fierceness of his anger and show you mercy and have compassion on you and multiply you as he swore to your fathers, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God, keeping all his commandments that I am commanding you today and doing what is right in the sight of the Lord your God. Chapter 14. This is about clean and unclean food. You are the sons of the Lord your God. You shall not cut yourselves or make any baldness on your foreheads for the dead. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. You shall not eat any abomination. These are the animals you may eat, the ox, the sheep, the goat, the deer, the gazelle, the roebuck, the wild goat, the ibex, the antelope, and the mountain sheep. Every animal that parts the hoof and has the hoof cloven in two and chews the cud among the animals you may eat. Yet of those that chew the cud and have the hoof cloven, you shall not eat these, the camel, the hare, the rock badger, because they chew the cud but do not part the hoof, are unclean to you. And the pig, because it parts the hoof but does not chew the cud, is unclean for you. Their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch. Of all that are in the waters, you may eat these, whatever has fins and scales you may eat. And whatever does not have fins and scales you shall not eat, it is unclean for you. You may eat all clean birds, but these are the ones that you shall not eat, the eagle, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite, the falcon of any kind, every raven of any kind, the ostrich, the nighthawk, the seagull, the hawk of any kind, the little owl and the short-eared owl, the barn owl and the tawny owl, the carrion vulture and the cormorant, the stork, the heron of any kind, the hoopoe and the bat, and all winged insects are unclean for you. They shall not be eaten. All clean winged things you may eat. You shall not eat anything that has died naturally. You may give it to the sojourner who is within your towns that he may eat it, or you may sell it to a foreigner, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the way is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe, when the Lord your God blesses you, because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money, and bind up the money in your hand, and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses, and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. And you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. At the end of every three years you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless and the widow who are within your towns, shall come and eat and be filled. 
that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. Chapter 15. The Sabbatical Year At the end of every seven years you shall grant a release, and this is the manner of the release. Every creditor shall release what he has lent to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his neighbor, his brother, because the Lord's release has been proclaimed. Of a foreigner you may exact it, but whatever of yours is with your brother, your hand shall release. But there will be no poor among you, for the Lord will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess. If only you will strictly obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all this commandment that I command you today. But the Lord your God will bless you, as he promised you, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow, and you shall rule over many nations, but they shall not rule over you. If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Take care, lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart, and you say, The seventh year, the year of release is near, and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin. You shall give him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. If your brother, a Hebrew man or Hebrew woman, is sold to you, he shall serve you six years, and in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. And when you let him go free from you, you shall not let him go empty-handed. You shall furnish him liberally out of your flock, out of your threshing floor, and out of your winepress. As the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore I command you this day. But if he says to you, I will not go out from you, because he loves you and your household, since he is well off with you, then you shall take an awl, and put it through his ear into the door, and he shall be your slave forever. And to your female slave you shall do the same. It shall not seem hard to you when you let him go free from you, for at half the cost of a hired worker he has served you six years. So the Lord your God will bless you in all that you do. All the firstborn males that are born of your herd and flock you shall dedicate to the Lord your God. You shall do no work with the firstborn of your herd, nor shear the firstborn of your flock. You shall eat it, you and your household, before the Lord your God year by year at the place that the Lord will choose. But if it has any blemish, if it is lame or blind or has any serious blemish whatever, you shall not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. You shall eat it within your towns. The unclean and the clean alike may eat it, as though it were a gazelle or a deer. Only you shall not eat its blood. You shall pour it out on the ground like water. And this concludes today's reading from the book of Deuteronomy. Let's take a few moments to think about this. Moses predicts that there will be false prophets and dreamers ready to deceive the Israelites with powerful signs and wonders when they enter Canaan. According to Moses, 
their prophecies may appear to come true. The signs will be impressive. Nevertheless, they are snares designed to deceive God's chosen people from their single-hearted devotion to God. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1. These words remind us of Jesus' warnings to His disciples prior to His crucifixion. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Matthew 24, verse 1. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Matthew 24, verse 24. The Apostle Paul warned the church of similar dangers as they embarked on their mission. But I am afraid that, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. In 2 Corinthians 11, 3-4 Paul is drawing attention to the gullibility of the Corinthian church. We learn from these scriptures that Moses, Jesus, and Paul call for spiritual discernment. Moses reiterates that God has exclusive rights to the love, trust, and obedience of His people. The first of the Ten Commandments has to do with having no other gods. The second forbids us to manufacture them. Do we love, trust, and give allegiance to any created thing more than to the Creator? The New Testament tells us that sexual immorality and greed are tied to idolatry. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 and Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5. Money, sex, power, success, and popularity can all become idols. What we devote ourselves to will be mirrored in our lives. When we put anything or anyone in the place of the God who has revealed Himself in the Bible, it will have a corrupting influence upon us. The Apostle John gives us a similar warning in the New Testament. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. 1 John chapter 5, verse 21. In Deuteronomy chapter 13, Moses calls the Israelites to resist three major temptations to turn away from their devotion to God and follow after foreign gods. Number one, beware of any undue fascination or curiosity that would cause you to add or take away from the Word of God. When the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations which you are going in to dispossess, and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, beware that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed before you, and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, How do these nations serve their gods that I also may do likewise? You shall not behave thus toward the Lord your God, for every abominable act which the Lord hates they have done for their gods, for they even burn their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Whatever I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to, nor take away from it. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 29 through 32. In order to obey this commandment, you must truly know what the Word of God teaches and what it doesn't. We can appreciate different cultures, but we must be careful to distinguish propositional truths that differ from the gospel. Number two. Don't let signs and wonders wrought by false prophets move you from clinging to the one true God revealed in the Bible. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods whom you have not known and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet 
or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall follow the Lord your God and fear Him, and you shall keep His commandments, listen to His voice, serve Him, and cling to Him. Deuteronomy 13, verses 1-4 through We don't readily think of our devotion to the Lord being tested when supernatural signs and gifts are present. But there are several instances in the history of Israel when counterfeit signs and deceptive words deceived God's covenant people. For example, in 1 Kings chapter 22 and Jeremiah chapter 28. We are also told that signs and wonders energized by Satan will accompany the Antichrist in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. A plurality of false Christs and false prophets would also show signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect, in Matthew 24, verse 24. Notice how strong Moses' instruction is. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. The purpose is kept in view, to cling to the Lord. You shall follow the Lord your God and fear Him, and you shall keep His commandments, listen to His voice, serve Him, and cling to Him. In verse 4. Number 3. Beware being deceived through natural affection. If your brother, your mother's son, or your son or daughter, or the wife you cherish, or your friend who is as your own soul, entice you secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, whom neither you nor your fathers have known, of the gods of the people who are around you, near you, or far from you, from one end of the earth to the other end, you shall not yield to him or listen to him, and your eye shall not pity him, nor shall you spare or conceal him. In verses 6 through 8, it is always a powerful temptation when someone you cherish would seek to divide you from the God who has revealed himself through the word. The ever-present danger of the human heart is that we can put those with whom we are bound by natural affection in the place of God. Misplaced affection and divided loyalty must be refused. Simon Peter was a close friend of Jesus. Satan used him to attempt to persuade Jesus not to go to the cross. In Matthew 16, verses 22 to 23, Peter took him, that is Jesus, aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he, Jesus, turned to him and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. If inhabitants of a city have been seduced to serve other gods, an inquiry was to be ordered to determine if this abomination actually has been done. If so, everything comes under the ban of destruction. This becomes a picture of the judgment of the cross of Christ coming upon the world with all of its idolatries. This will become clearer as we read the book of Joshua. In Galatians chapter 6.14, But may it never be that I would boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, we have a repetition of the laws of separation, determining the difference between that which is ceremonially clean and unclean. Warren Wearsby explains, quote, The distinction between clean and unclean sacrifices was known in the days of Noah, Genesis chapter 7, verses 1-10, through 10, and therefore must have been told to our first parents when God taught them to worship. In the Jewish law, the words clean and unclean have nothing to do with the intrinsic nature or value of the creatures themselves. This was a designation given by the Lord for reasons not always explained, 
Some students believe that the Jews enjoyed better health because they avoided certain foods, but both Jesus and the apostles declared all foods clean. In Mark chapter 7, verses 14 to 23, and Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 25, and Romans chapter 14 through chapter 15, verse 13, so-called healthful foods as well as the unhealthful, end quote. Now let's read from the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 40, right through chapter 9, verse 6. Jesus heals a woman and Jairus' daughter. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him, and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher any more. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, He allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her, but he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Chapter 9. Jesus sends out the twelve apostles. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. This concludes our reading from the New Testament Gospel of Luke. Now let's take a few moments to recap. Jesus demonstrated his authority over the natural world by calming the storm in Luke 8 verses 22 to 25 and the supernatural world by casting out the legion of demons from the man living among the tombs at Gadara, who had been captured by them in Luke 8, verses 26 to 39. Now we see Jesus exhibit his authority over disease and death. While responding to the request of Jairus to heal his daughter, Jesus heals a woman in the crowd with an issue of blood. Then Jesus goes to Jairus' home and takes the hand of the dead daughter and speaks to her, Child, arise. The child's spirit returns to her, and she gets up immediately. 
There are a lot of contrasts between these two events. There's an old woman and a young daughter. One is unclean, therefore an outsider, cut off from the place of worship. The other was a daughter of the synagogue ruler, and therefore an insider. One had been sick for twelve years, the other had been alive for only twelve years. Both had desperate needs. No physician was able to help the woman. No physician could help the daughter. Both needed God's intervention. The common denominator was not the method. Our trust should not be in methodologies. The common denominator was Jesus and His authority and power. Notice again that Jesus instructed the parents not to tell anyone what had happened. This is a consistent feature of Jesus' ministry, to tell people not to tell anybody. We saw that in the healing of the lepers, in Luke chapter 5, verse 14, and Matthew 8, verse 4, the healing of the blind men, in Matthew 9, verse 30, the healing of the multitudes, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 16, the healing of the deaf and the dumb man, in Mark chapter 7, verse 36, the revelation that Jesus was the Christ, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 20, and Mark chapter 3, verse 12, the, and the revelation of Christ in the glory of his transfiguration, in Matthew chapter 17, verse 9. Why the gag order? because the message at this point would be incomplete and misunderstood. The gospel message is not just that Jesus is the healer or that he is the Christ. The central message is the good news of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. That redemptive work had not yet happened. It is after his crucifixion and resurrection that Jesus commissions Mary and the disciples to go and tell. It is after Jesus accomplishes the redemptive work on the cross that is, his righteous living, his substitutionary dying, and his victorious rising, that he commissions those whom he has reconciled to himself to preach the good news. He calls us to preach the forgiveness of sins on the grounds of his atoning sacrifice. We are to share the good news that by putting our trust in who he is and the efficacy of what he has done to satisfy God's justice on our behalf, our sins are forgiven and we can receive the gift of eternal life. Jesus gives the twelve delegated authority to demonstrate that the Messiah had arrived by enabling them to perform the signs that the Scripture foretold would accompany the promised Son of David. They were announcing to Israel that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Messianic prophecies and that His rule was available if they would abandon their own plans of salvation and take the narrow gate of repentance and faith that leads to life. This narrow gate pictures entering the kingdom on God's terms and not our own. The gospel that the Twelve preached at this time is not the gospel that we are called to preach. The good news, the Greek word euangelion, preached by the Twelve was a follow-up to John the Baptist's message. The King of the Kingdom of God had come in Christ. God's rule was exhibited fully in Him. They announced the King's presence and His willingness to reign over a repentant people. They announced the Kingdom to draw attention to the King. Only through faith in who Jesus is and what He would accomplish on their behalf would they be able to enter into or to experience the kingdom of God. Like their Master, the Twelve were to trust God for sufficient means for living, their daily bread and provisions. They were to stay in the first house where they were welcome to stay and not move around to seek the most comfortable and convenient lodgings. They were to do this in every town and village so that all would have the testimony of Jesus a demonstration that the king had come with its promise of the ultimate healing of salvation. Jesus would make it clear that the only way a person could enter into salvation would be by looking to him as Savior on the cross in John chapter 3, verses 14-16 through 16, 
and being born again of the Holy Spirit, in John chapter 3, verses 3 and 7. Now let's read from the book of Psalms, Psalm 71. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. Psalm 71, verse 1. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed. With scorn and disgrace may they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts and your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me, until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. I will also praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed. And my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long, for they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. And this is the end of Psalm 71. Here is the prayer of an old man for deliverance. Certainly God has been a proven source of strength and deliverance throughout this man's life, but now his prayer is for help in his old age. Verse 9 reads, Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. For my enemies have spoken against me, and those who watch for my life have consulted together, saying, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is no one to deliver. Even when advanced in years, the psalmist appears to be on the front lines of spiritual battle and has great spiritual influence. Notice verse 15. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and of your salvation all day long, for I do not know the sum of them. I will come with the mighty deeds of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness, yours alone. The intentions of this aged saint are to continue to be a powerful witness 
until the Lord's strength is declared to this generation. In verse 18 we read, And even when I am old and gray, O God, do not forsake me, until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to all who are to come. And now our reading from the book of Proverbs, chapter 12, verses 5 through 7. The thoughts of the righteous are just, the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright delivers them. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. It is helpful to learn from the contrasted lifestyles, comparing those who are walking in a right relationship with God and those who are not. Let us not waste our lives. May all that we build be of enduring value. Let's pray. O Lord, your faithfulness extends to all generations. You are an ever-present help in times of trouble, a proven source of strength. Thank you for a full and free salvation and the cross where Jesus purchased our freedom. Father, we pray for discernment, lest our hearts be captured by the deceitfulness of riches and the false claims of counterfeit gods. May we be presented as a chaste bride for our heavenly bridegroom. Help us to dignify every trial with a pure-hearted devotion to you as we cleave to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for listening, and we look forward to our reading tomorrow where we close out the month reading from Deuteronomy. And if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. If we can encourage you in your habit of daily Bible reading and meditation, we'd love to encourage you. You can contact us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like to know more about New Life Community Church and its ministries, you can go to our website, newlife.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.